Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today on the show, do I deserve federal protection because I'm on the radio? According to a new bill, I might... Where the glass is half full and you'll need new glasses. Where you'll be jumping from conclusions. The past is a and a new future is born. Never before in history has so much meant so little to so many. AD on the radio. So did you know that... It might be a federal crime to mess with me in the future. Yeah, apparently I am on the verge of becoming part of a protected class. Does this make any sense to you? It doesn't make any sense to me either. But nevertheless, the fact remains that uh, doing what I do, being involved in media things and being in talk radio and having been a journalist in the past that wrote magazine articles, I don't need know if I need to be credentials to receive this special protection protection moving forward, but get this. There's this bill that could make it a federal crime. Yeah, it could be a federal crime to mess with me. It could be made a federal crime to cause bodily harm to me or to try and intimidate me. Yeah. Want to try and intimidate me? You could be looking at a lot of time in the pokey. Why is this? Well, here's the thing. Democrats have unveiled this bill that would make it, like I said, a federal crime to cause bodily harm to a journalist or to intimidate journalists. And to attempt to stop them from gathering information for a news report. (laughs) Yeah. Now, look, there's a lot of people that will tell you this is a great idea because journalism is an integral part of our political process. The media, journalists, news folks, well, this is part of our society working the way it does. But let's get a little deeper into this, shall we? Because I'm curious to know, should I be protected? And the reason I'm using myself as an example is because I'm literally in the same game as the folks that this bill would protect. It might not seem like it, especially if you hear me on one of my music shows. If you hear me on a rock station talking in and out of Tool and Metallica, it doesn't necessarily seem like I'm that guy that should be getting federal protection, does it? If I'm making boob and fart jokes and uh, (laughs) the occasional off-color remark about yo mama, it doesn't seem like I deserve federal journalistic protection. But I'm in the same game as these people that are so-called news journalists. I'm in the same game of getting ratings, being compelling, creating entertainment. Let's, like I said, dive into this a little bit deeper. Put a pin in that little fact there and get on with this bill, who is interestingly enough, the bill, which is interestingly enough, rather, sponsored by a guy called Bob Menendez. Now, if the name Bob Menendez seems familiar to you, there's a reason for that. A couple weeks ago, he tried to intimidate a journalist. Yeah, 
There was a journalist asking questions of him in a public place, and he threatened to call the cops. The exact sort of thing this bill is supposed to protect against, but never mind. The Journalist Protection Act was introduced by Democratic Representative Eric Swalwell, along with Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal and this guy Bob Menendez. And according to these folks, it's super important for them to introduce this bill because of President Donald Trump's extreme hostility toward the press. Your fake news, you don't get in here, throw them out. Now, I understand. The way Donald Trump acts around the press is, well, one of the many ways in which you might feel as though he's acting beneath the station of the highest office in the land. I get it. I understand that. And it would be nice if we had a president that dealt with difficult questions from people that didn't agree with him in a more artful manner other than, ah, you're fake news. Get out. Ah. It is the I am rubber, you are glue, nanny nanny boo boo school of political thinking and it's not well it's not a good look on us that's for sure but at the same time the idea of protecting journalists is an interesting one and that's exactly what this group talks about they're talking about trump's standoff with cnn over fake news and him calling the press the enemy of the american people and saying, hey, the press need to be protected. They cannot be physically harmed or intimidated. They cannot be stopped from gathering information for a news report. According to the press release about the bill, the Journalist, uh, the Journalist Protection Act makes it a federal crime to intentionally cause bodily injury to a journalist affecting interstate or foreign commerce in the course of reporting or in a manner designed to intimidate him or her from news gathering for a media organization. Now, here's the thing. I, I don't, first and foremost, I don't necessarily know that journalists need additional federal protection. I mean, they're already citizens. Assault is already a crime. Grievous bodily harm is already crime. Additional protections? I don't know. But let's assume for a moment, let's assume for a moment that it is worth making it a federal crime to protect journalists. It is worth making it a federal crime to intimidate journalists. And let's assume for a moment that journalists are under federal protection that our tax dollars are going to protect journalists because, like I said, they're under federal protection and everything that entails. Now, I'm a big supporter of the truth. I'm a big supporter of us having freedom of information. I'm a big supporter of us finding out what's going on. But news organizations as a whole, whether you fall down on the right or the left, I mean, I know this is essentially designed to protect CNN, and I know this is essentially designed to be a thorn in the side of Donald Trump so he can't say, get him out of here. Just punch him in the face. I'll pay the legal fees later. This is designed to be a thorn in the side of Trump and the right, for sure. But let's for a moment assume that this applies to anything and everything. All the news media. Up to and including folks like me. Look, if that's really truly necessary, then we've arrived at a sad place in American society where people are thinking with their fists or with threats in the political arena. That's clearly not okay. 
And if we need protection from that, if we as journalists, I'm going to just throw myself in there for the sake of the argument, need protection from that, well, that is very troubling. But when you think about it becoming a federal crime to attack or intimidate people like me, federal crime, and the tax dollars that that is going to entail, I want you for a moment to think about the organizations that folks like me work for. It's a fascinating one. Curious to know if you think it's necessary. We'll get into it next. Real Radio. 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 104.1. Where the left and right come together for fundamental truths. AD on the radio, on Twitter at ADSXE. So like you and I were saying, there's this idea that I should be federally protected. Me, AD, on your radio. Why? Well, because I'm a journalist. I'm a member of the press. And I don't know, I don't know at what point you, uh, I don't know at what point you draw a line saying this guy isn't eligible for federal protection because he's on a radio station that plays Metallica versus this guy works for CNN. I I don't know if there is a line drawn in this bill that proposes federal protection for journalists. And that's not really the issue I have with it. The issue I have with it is, well... Think about what federal protection means. Now, obviously, this whole thing is designed to be a thorn in the side of Donald Trump and him being able to throw CNN out of his press conferences and out of his rallies and say, your fake news, get out. Somebody just punch him. I'll take care of the legal bills. Get him out of here. Your fake news. Bye. But as much as, let's just use me as an example. Say I go... Say I go to Donald Trump's, say I go to Donald Trump's or or any politician's rally. Say I go to a campaign rally and I start gathering notes and I start gathering information and I start uh, gathering information. I start forming a narrative and I start thinking about how it's going to play into that narrative and how I'm going to use those words. And what am I doing? What am I thinking? I am thinking that I'm going to write a big story and a lot of people are going to read it or a lot of people are going to hear it on the radio or a lot of people are going to watch it on TV and that's going to translate into a bonus for me because, well, I hit some... uh, I hit some digital numbers. We have those in the media. If I get a certain number of hits on my blogs, I get extra money. I'll be transparent with you. That's what a journalist is thinking. And more importantly, the journalist is thinking, ah, wow, this is great. <laughs> Our ratings are going to go up. Fox News and CNN and whoever the hell it is we work for, regardless of which side of the political fence they fall down on, they're going to make more money. There is a reason why journalism has failed to be unbiased. There is a reason why journalism has failed to be fact-based. Because sensationalism, scandal, the 24-hour news cycle, these things are all about making money. These things are all about being profitable. These things are all about the bottom line. And, well, look, you do a lot better with sensationalism and scandal. 
you do a lot better with, it could kill you and you could be eating it for dinner more at 11. They're coming for your children and we'll tell you where they're from and how you can stop them more at 11. That drives ratings. That means you're going to sit through the commercial. That means you are going to wait to find out what the hell it is a guy like me has been talking about. And this is where the whole idea of journalistic protection, federal journalistic protection, starts to fall down. I'm not agreeing with Donald Trump. I'm not agreeing with the idea of screaming fake news at someone and not answering their questions and having them thrown out of your press conference. I'm not saying that's where we need to be. But the idea that a guy like me or the idea that any of my journalistic counterparts, the folks that work across the hall from me in the news department at several of the radio stations around here, they're about profit. They're about a bottom line. They're about ratings. They're about clicks. They're about all these things that make it possible for them to continue to have jobs. News isn't news. News hasn't been news for a very long time. News is very, very big business. News is about dollars and cents. News is about making money hand over fist. News, in some cases, with some news institutions, is about, oh God, how are we going to keep the lights on? We got to do something, literally anything, to get people to listen. There's a lot of news stations like that around the country. A lot of old school AM stations that are dying to death because, well, we're in a different era. And those are the ones that I find to be, interestingly enough, the ones most willing to dispense with the truth and uh, do whatever the hell it takes to get people to listen because there's a whole staff of folks that are going, oh man, if this station goes out of business, uh, I got to look for a new job and I'm 100 years old because I've been at this radio station since the dawn of time. I'm just trying to make it to retirement. Oh, you could be eating it and it could kill you? More at 11. The journalistic, the Journalist Protection Act, which would make it a federal crime to cause bodily injury to a journalist affecting interstate or foreign commerce in the course of reporting or in a manner designed to intimidate him or her from news gathering media organizations, a news gathering for a media organization, is basically going, hey, we're going to give federal protection for a for, give federal protection to a for-profit business that plays fast and loose with the truth depending on what they think is going to equal more clicks. I don't, look, maybe you disagree with me and you're welcome to it. But I'm kind of behind closed doors on this one. I know what the media is. I know what the news media is. I know what journalism is. I know what it's become. I hear there was a time when it was all fact-based. I hear there was a time where television news was a standard repository of truth in America and everybody looked at their TV sets to find out what was going on in the world and didn't question the validity of what people were saying, didn't question the validity of the information that was being give to them, given to them. But all of that went out the window many years ago. In my lifetime, I don't know that it ever existed. I think, and we've talked about this a little bit on the show in the past, but watch a documentary called Best of Enemies. I think that's what it's called. You ever seen that? It's about Gore Vidal and William Buckley. And there were only three TV networks around at the time. 
one of which I think I think they started off on ABC. ABC was dying to death. They were failing. They were dead last in the ratings. So they were willing to try anything to get some eyeballs on their TV station. And what they did was they put Buckley, a conservative, and Vidal, a liberal, on TV and had them duke it out philosophically and argue with each other. And their ratings shot through the roof. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they're like, oh my gosh, here we have been messing around with facts. Here we have been trying to profit off of just, you know, fact-based information. Here we have been trying to eke out a living being unbiased when instead we could get these two people to argue with each other about what the truth actually is. Not really illuminating anything, but giving people ringside seats to an amazing debate. And that's what it was. A ringside seat to an amazing debate. And the ratings shot through the roof. If you want to look at what is ostensibly the beginning of the end of truth in the news and media, that would be it. Drawing lines, dividing people. I don't think Buckley and Vidal had any idea what they were doing at the time. Neither did the folks over at ABC. And had they known what we were going to devolve into in the future, they might not have done it. But they became very rich and they became very famous and they became very powerful because of this show. And in doing so, they created a template of division and the truth being subjective in a way that is not helpful to us in any way, shape or form. And it was literally all something that was put in place to make money. Now, when you hear of journalists being intimidated at political rallies, there's no fun, no good. It's not the right thing to do. But if news organizations are to deserve federal protection, then we, and for the sake of an argument, I'm lumping myself in with all these folks, we need to do a better job at seeking out the truth and making our priority, giving the American public the truth, not a narrative that's going to make our bosses bigger bonus checks. For more stimulation and less irritation, 9 out of 10 doctors choose KPRC AM 950, Houston's more stimulating talk radio. Don't get the blues, get all the news, we need all of you, skies out there in Radio Land. All aboard! He's back, AD on the radio. Give it up, yeah, give it up, yeah, bring this on, bring this on, come on, come on. So like you and I were saying, assault is already a crime. I don't feel the need to be a protected class as a journalist. But there is this bill that would make it a federal crime to cause bodily harm to a journalist or intimidate him or her from gathering information for a news report. Now, what's really, really interesting about this is the architect of this bill, this guy, Menendez. Now, if you are familiar with him, Bob Menendez, that's because... Just a couple weeks ago, he was trying to intimidate a journalist, asking him questions in a public place. Menendez is quoted as, uh, quoted as saying, 
Over 200 years ago, our founding fathers had the foresight to recognize the importance of a free press to a fledgling, democ fledgling democracy. Now more than ever, their importance can't be overstated despite the dangerous rhetoric coming from the Trump administration and yet another disturbing attack on a journalist covering a MAGA rally. The press is not the enemy of the people. A free and independent press, a strong fourth estate, is essential to the American people and our democracy, ensuring an informed public and holding those in power accountable. Yeah, yes, absolutely. All of this is true. Our founding fathers' thoughts on the press, this holds a lot of water, for sure. Certainly, definitely. But, you know, pot, kettle, black, glass houses, rocks, things of that nature. Less a month ago, Menendez tried to threaten and tried to intimidate a guy called Henry Rogers. He's the Capitol Hill reporter for the Daily Caller News Foundation. He told him he was going to call the police if he kept asking him questions. Rogers approached Menendez on February 13th, asking him where he stood on the Green New Deal. Menendez told Rogers, you're trash. I won't answer questions to the Daily Caller, period. You are trash. Don't keep harassing me or I'll call Capitol Police. If you're going to introduce this kind of bill, you got to be willing to take the rough with the smooth. Calling someone trash? Is that threatening and intimidating? Saying I'm going to call the cops on you? Well, that's definitely an attempt to stop a journalist from gathering information. You ask a politician where he stands on the Green New Deal, the politician can say no comment if he doesn't want to talk to you. The politician got into public service. The politician takes money out of our paychecks every single month in the form of tax dollars because this is exactly the sort of thing they're supposed to be subject to. This is exactly the sort of thing that the bill is trying to protect. The right of a journalist, whether or not you agree with them, whether or not you agree with the slant of their organization, to ask you questions. Now, I think that politicians in general need to be accountable at all times. Politicians in general need to answer the questions we have for them. I cannot think of another instance where the person who cuts checks, i.e. us, isn't allowed to get our employees, the people that we pay, i.e. the politicians, into our office and have our questions answered. When my boss says, hey, AD, I need to see you in my office at 11. We need to go over some stuff. You know what I do? I show up. Why? Well, first and foremost, because eh, it's part of my job. But ultimately, at the core of all this is the fact that my boss is responsible for me receiving a paycheck. So I do what I'm told to do as part of my job. Politics is the exact opposite. We pay them, and then we have to ask their permission to get an audience with them on their timetable. Never understood it, never will. Makes no sense. So if you walk up to a politician in the street, I honestly believe that, and look, obviously this is not going to be completely realistic at all times, but I honestly believe that you have the right to say to him, hey, um, I pay taxes and uh, I have some questions about some stuff. 
that concerns you and you representing me, one of the taxpaying public. And politicians should go, right, gotcha, absolutely. How can I help you? You pay my paycheck. The roof over my head, the food I put on the table for my family, that all comes from you, so why not? How can I help you? See if we can come up with an answer to this question that you've got. That's how it should be. Of course, it's not in the world of politics. In the world of politics, we hand them our hard-earned money and they go, maybe at some point we'll make an appointment to be in your presence and you can possibly ask me a question. But if I don't like the question, I'm going to have you thrown out of my rally. And that's the same for, that's the same for politicians on the left and the right. It's weird. Don't understand it. Makes no sense. Never has, never will. But a guy like Menendez, like I said, pot, kettle, black. People that live in glass houses should not be throwing the rocks and things of that nature. If you're going to make it a federal crime to try and intimidate a journalist, you shouldn't do that a couple weeks after threatening and intimidating a journalist, or at least trying to. Yelling, you're trash. I won't answer questions to the Daily Caller, period. You're trash. Don't keep harassing me or I'll call the Capitol Police. Now, the guy who was on the receiving end of all that said, if Senator Menendez is so interested in protecting the rights of journalists, why did he threaten to call the police on me just a month ago for asking a simple question about the Green New Deal? He called my organization trash. And you know what? If you want to call an organization, a news organization trash, it's a free country. You have the right to do that. And a politician, I suppose, has the right to say, no, thank you. I, I don't, not prepared to answer your questions right now. This is not a thing that we're going to be doing. But, like I said, if you want to federally protect journalists, you're going to have to give up one of your favorite pastimes, which is apparently screaming at them. Go figure. And I keep coming back to the fact that this is just not necessary. It's not a thing that we have to do. Knowing what I know about the people I work with, knowing what I know about news organizations, knowing what I know about folks that are, well, like this dude, Rogers, that worked for the Daily Caller. I don't know anything about the Daily Caller. I know it's slanted politically to the right. It's not something I read or have read or come across. I don't know if it's destructive in its reporting. I don't know if it is part of part of the right that leans so far to the right that uh, they're thinly veiled jackboot wearing neo-Nazis. I, I don't know anything about them. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that the Daily Caller is a for-profit organization the Daily Caller might believe that they're doing very important work. The Daily Caller might believe that they are the last bastion of freedom and liberty in journalism. I don't, I don't know. But I know that they're for profit and I know that they're keeping the lights on. And for that reason, they don't need our federal protection. They don't need a piece of our tax dollars. It's already illegal to assault someone. If you're a journalist, you are chasing after a story, a story that probably supports a narrative, a story that supports a narrative that will help make your partisan news organization money. 
Now, if these news organizations weren't partisan, if they were fact-based, if they were genuinely dedicated to bringing you, me, all of us, the truth at all cost, then sure, absolutely, then you would hearken back to what our founding fathers said 200 years ago when they had the foresight to recognize the importance of a free press. But this is not what we're dealing with in 2019. And guys like me, trust me on this one, guys like me do not need federal protection. It would be neat. I'm not, I'm not going to deny it. It would be really neat to say to someone that wanted to step to me in some sort of social situation, hey, 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 better watch yourself there, bucko. Oh, yeah, why? You're going to kick my ass? No. But if you kick mine, it's a federal crime. Oh, yeah. Take one swing at me and you are going to the pokey for a considerable amount of time, my friend. Think very carefully about what you do. I am a member of the press. Yeah. If it sounds like it would be wildly inappropriate coming out of my mouth in a social situation, if it sounds like it would make me entitled, if it sounds like it would make me jerky, if it sounds like it would elevate me to a level that is above that of a normal citizen, then that's because it would. That's because it's not only unnecessary, but it's also not the right thing to do. I mean, look, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know that there's probably, as much as we're goofy and as much as we're fun, as much as I spend the rest of my work life making fart jokes and talking about boobs and making crude off-color remarks about your mama while playing Metallica records on rock radio, as much as we do all of that, as much as that's who I am, this radio show is probably more in, pursu in pursuit of a nonpartisan truth than anything else you're going to hear on the radio. And I still, I still, I, I just, I just don't feel that entitled. Go figure. Go figure. You and I will discuss the events of today in our segment, My Witness News, in just a little bit. Right now, though, let me ask you this. When you see one of those moving walkway things or an escalator or something like that, what do you do? Do you stand on it or do you walk on it? Here's the thing. The very first time I stepped on one of those as a kid, I kept walking and I was thrilled. I was freaking stoked. I was like, oh my gosh, I am moving so fast. Like I'm moving, the floor is moving, and 
I'm going to get where I'm going an awful lot sooner. And it was a giant bummer to me when it came to the end and I had to walk normal speed again. But ever since then, whenever I get a chance, I get on one of those and I walk. I'm thrilled with the speed. And then my mind goes to the idea that uh, I'm going to get to my destination sooner. And okay, maybe that's just an airport terminal, but I'm going to have more time to charge my phone, more time to read, more time to relax, more time to do whatever I got to do. Anything that saves me time, puts me ahead in the game of life is something I'm a huge fan of. So the moment I get a chance to get on an escalator or the moment I get a chance to get on a moving walkway, I move, I continue moving. I take the brief advantage of being able to get through life in a little bit quicker and more expedient manner. And whenever I see people standing still on them, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand you. That was until Jim Gaffigan made me think that maybe I was missing something. I just prefer the easy way in life. I do. I see an escalator. I get excited. I'm like, sweet. All I got to do is keep my balance. <laughs> People look so bored on escalators. They're always like, ah. You should be like, I'm going upstairs and I'm moving my legs. <laughs> I like to pretend I'm in charge of the escalator, turn to the people behind me. You guys follow me. Stand there. Keep that pace. You ever been on an escalator and someone starts walking up behind you? Like, settle down, weirdo. This is one of the good parts of life. How about those people that take the stairs right next to the escalator? What are you, drunk? This thing's free. You don't need a ticket. They're always like, I'm taking the stairs because I'm watching my cholesterol. And then halfway up, they always have that look in their eyes. I've made an enormous mistake. These stairs are hard. You know, it is funny, though. I take the elevator at work. And I do that for one reason and one reason only. Asthma. And it's not like I'm incapable of walking a flight of steps. I can still do that. I can still run. I can still get on the treadmill. I can still, still do all that stuff. I don't have asthma to the point where it's debilitating. But if I walk up a flight of steps, I... I'm out of breath for a long time. And the only reason I ever go from the downstairs studio studio area of where I work to the upstairs sales management management part of the building is because, well, I got to talk to someone and I don't want to be all huffing and puffing through my conversation. So much older people than me see me getting in the elevator. They're like, what are you doing? You're too young. Take the stairs. You're on your way to diabetes. And I, uh, yeah, no, I don't bother explaining to them. But there are instances, few and far between, where I opt for the elevator or the escalator as opposed to the stairs. The escalator definitely makes you look down on stairs. You're nothing more than an organized hill. <laughs> the only thing worse than walking upstairs is walking up an escalator that's not working. <sighs> What's the point? It's like having a dead butler. We all look so confused when we encounter the escalator that's not working. How am I supposed to get up there? I'm trapped! Help! Help! I don't like it when they separate the up and the down escalator. They do that in malls. You're like, well, here's the down escalator. Where's the up? Oh, that's conveniently located a mile away. Did you bring a canoe? Because there's a river. It's also amazing after all our technological advancements, we still can't get the escalator handrail to go the same speed as the escalator. Looks like my hand's gonna get up there before me. See up there, hand? I'd wave, I don't have a hand. 
So, you know, a lot of the things that Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman have said in the past are starting to look more and more ridiculous in light of what's been going on over the last couple of days, especially this gem from an interview not that long ago in 2017, where Lori Laughlin said she doesn't believe in pushing her kids to get A's because in life, doing your best is good enough. You know what I don't ever do? I never push my kids to, I always say, do the best you can. I was never that kid. They fought my husband too, their dad. Never, we were never like at school. You got to get straight A's. You got. We, we were never those parents. We were always like, you know what? Give it your all. Do the best you can. Because in life, if you give it your all and you do the best you can, there's that's it. That, that's all you can do, and that's enough, in my opinion. Especially with kids, I think we put so much pressure and stress on them. A lot of it is unnecessary. Well, you know, a lot of people are calling her out for the hypocrisy of stuff like that, but maybe, maybe she meant every word of it. Ah, you know, you did your best. That's fine. Dad and I are going to buy your way into an Ivy League school anyway. I mean, you tried and that's all that matters. And uh, sure, you fell a little short of the mark, but we've got a lot of money. So things are going to be just fine. Reading between the lines, she could have been absolutely sincere about a kid's best being good enough. What she neglected to say was, well, where they fell short, they were going to fill in the necessary gap. As expected, Lori Laughlin returned to the U.S. the other day and surrendered to authorities. It's kind of an interesting one because, well, when this all went down, she was out of the country and a lot of people thought that she was going to flee. She was never coming back to America. She was going to be on the lam, I tell you the lam. But she came back and she surrendered. I think she even brought Dan John Stamos with her, you know, so he could ask the feds to have mercy. No, I kid. She was released on a $1 million bond, just like her husband. Unlike Felicity Huffman, she gets to keep her passport because she's working on a project in Canada. While Lori was being charged with breaking the law to get her daughters into USC, guess where one of those daughters was? On a yacht, belonging to the chairman of USC's board of directors. That's not a bad look, is it? Anyways, the guy's daughter brought several friends to the Bahamas, including Lori's 19-year-old daughter, Olivia Jade. But after the news broke, everyone decided it would be best if she would come home. What do you think? The folks over at TMZ caught up with John Stamos and Jody Sweeten yesterday. They both declined to comment. And <laughs> this is a fascinating little tidbit. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot more of these as time wears on. The guy who ran that scam actually made a video pitching a reality show about his work life coaching families and helping to get their kids into college yeah he wanted to pitch a reality show where he would life coach families and help them get their kids into college uh yeah as opposed to installing fake proctors that would help kids cheat or just straight up bribing admissions people at colleges. The video was made in 2010, a year before he allegedly started his racket. He also posted some videos on YouTube in 2013, which are quite a fetching viewing if you want to check them out. Anyways, the big college admissions scandal is all over the news right now. So uh, suck on this, Felicity Huffman. Did you see that a 17-year-old kid in Jersey City, New Jersey just got accepted into 17 different colleges? And it's a big deal. Because this kid, kid by the name of Dylan Chittick, he's been homeless for a large portion of his life. He came to the U.S. from Trinidad, where his mom was when he was seven, but he's a U.S. citizen now. His family has been homeless off and on since he was young, but he managed to make it into the National Honor Society. He's also president of his class. 
He said his mom's courage is what inspires him to work so hard, and he knows how hard life can be, so he's determined to lift his family up and never let them get back to a place where they have to struggle so much. Like I said, he's been accepted into 17 schools so far, including a few big-name ones, like Xavier. But he's still waiting to hear back from the College of New Jersey near Trenton, which is his top choice, partly because it's close to his mom. Wherever he ends up, he plans to work as hard as he can. And he's planning to major in political science. Like I said, suck on that, Felicity Huffman. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.